And thank you, worship team. And all the kids, you are now free to go follow Miss Amy over to Kids Church. Amy's right over here waving her hands with her little girls. And uh, we have a kids service for you, so you're free to go if you wish. I can't even see everybody. I, I'm starting to, I, I think if I stand right here, I can almost see everyone. This is beautiful, though. It's great to have all of you out here tonight. And next week is going to be our last Sunday night service for a while, all right? So don't want to miss that one. We're going to go out with a bang with the food truck, with the kickball tournament, with the life groups. Uh, definitely don't want to miss that. And then our plan right now is May 31st to be back indoors on Sunday morning at 1030, back to our normal time. So that's the plan right now. We'll let you know if that changes, but stay tuned for all those good details. If I haven't met you yet, my name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor here at Doxa Church, and I hope to meet you after the service. Well, we're in a series called Standing Strong, and this is a spiritual warfare series from the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And if you were with us last week, we covered the last three spiritual warfare armor pieces. And if you remember the last one, on the count of three, can you say it out loud with me? We're talking about the sixth and final piece of spiritual warfare armor. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Yeah, I'm hearing, I'm hearing prayer. I'm hearing sword. Okay, the answer is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, this definitely ties into prayer, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And I do feel led since this is one of our last nights. Actually, this is our last night in Ephesians. We've been in Ephesians for a long time. This is going to be great. But I'm going to come out swinging today, and I want to start with a statement that may be a little startling to you if you haven't been with us the other three weeks, all right? So you're bracing yourselves. I see most of you were sitting down for this, but here it is. How you handle the word of God, are you catching that? How you handle the word of God is how you fight the spiritual forces of evil that are coming at you. And we've been spending a lot of time talking about the fact that we have an enemy, I hope you're aware that we have an enemy that's against you, that wants to destroy you. Satan hates humanity simply because we are made in the image of God. All right? It's, that's the starting place. And then from there, if you know Jesus, if you've confessed your sin, repented, and turned to him, and found new life in him, and you're a believer, a child of God, now he hates you even more, if that's you. So despite all of that, we have been seeing that you have nothing to fear because even though Satan is still fighting battles, Jesus has already won the victory over the entire war. So we don't have to fight for victory. We actually fight from victory through the victory that Jesus Christ won on the cross when he defeated sin and death. So here's a question for you. And this is a vital question for the direction of your life as well as the day-to-day like decisions of your life and how you're living day to day. How do you handle the word of God? All right, the sixth piece of warfare armor, how do you handle the word of God, the sword of the spirit? Do you know how to handle it well? Have you handled it well this week? To use anything effectively, you have to practice with it, right? 
We know this. Uh, basketball player, players, they work on their ball handling. They shoot shots in practice. If you're an artist, you get better at your craft by making mistakes, by refining your touch. There's never been a musician pick up an instrument and just become a master at it the first time they pick it up. They have to practice with that in their hands. And tonight, we're going to actually start tapping into how you can actually put in the practice and use the Word of God effectively. There's an old pastor named Thomas Guthrie, and he said this about the Bible. The Bible is an armory of heavenly weapons, a laboratory of infallible medicines, a mine of exhaustless wealth. It's a guidebook for every road, a chart for every sea, a medicine for every malady, a balm for every wound. Rob us of our Bible, and our sky has lost its sun. That's how important our Bible is. And as we look at the text today, in Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to give you a spoiler, right? You're going to see that the spiritual battle with your Bible equals praying. How you handle your Bible is going to automatically like, filter into now using it and speaking it and talking to God about it, listening to the Word of God. And if you're not doing that, you're not fighting. Charles Spurgeon, another great preacher from the past, this one was from England, he, he prayed this. He prayed, Lord, help us not to just discern the difference between right and wrong, but help us discern the difference between right and almost right. And that's what we've been seeing in this entire series. Unless you're in the word, you're not going to be able to discern that difference. That's a prayer from someone who understands the spiritual warfare that's laid out in Ephesians 6. The enemy is the master of the half-truth. And there's always something you can't see controlling what you can see. So if you spend all of your time reacting to symptoms and trying to change what has already happened to you, either you're not praying at all or you're not praying correctly. And that's what we're going to address in the passage today. We're going to see tonight how to pray correctly with the six facets of prayer that are outlined right here in Ephesians chapter 6. So let's go to the text. If you have your Bible, please take it and turn with me to Ephesians 6. And let's start in verse 10. We're going to back up a little bit uh, the verses we've already covered in the last few weeks. But this is going to give us a review of the context that we're in. And I'm going to read all the way up through verse 20. So Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. 
that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And starting in verse 18 is where we get our first facet of prayer. We have these six facets of prayer that teach us how to pray with sword in hand. We're using the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Now we're praying with it. And here is the first one, the first facet, point number one, pray at all times. Pretty simple. Prayer applies to every one of these pieces of armor. And prayer is like calling in the F-16s when you're talking about the spiritual warfare. Going without prayer is like going dark. You're going off the comms. And if you go very long without prayer and you don't have a connection to your commander, you're not going to last long behind enemy lines. If you're cut off from your sustainer and the supplier and the voice of comfort and direction, where are you going to go? How long are you going to last? Now, when I say pray at all times, I can just feel the ultra-literalists out here getting a little squirmy. Like, what do you mean, David? I can't pray at all times. Uh, I'm a mom, or I have a job. I have to pay bills and put bread on the table. Like, I can't do that. I can't pray continually. So let's talk about this, because this isn't the only time in Scripture that we are told to pray without ceasing. What does the Bible mean when it says that? This is the concept of having an open dialogue and an open conversation going with God throughout the day where you funnel everything you're thinking, everything that you're feeling, the stuff that you're deciding to do, the things that you're going back and forth with, you funnel that and you have a conversation with your heavenly father about that. That's, that's the idea of continually being in prayer. And I talk to people all the time. I've talked to people over the last couple of weeks that are dealing with tough stuff, being in, in, in this isolation zone. This, we're slowly stepping out of that, but some people still are. And, and people feel distant. Where's God? Where is he? If you feel like you're lacking the power that you're supposed to have through Christ, I would start with this question. How much are you talking with God? And how much are you listening to him as you speak to him? It's so easy to get very, very busy in life and to just turn off God. And especially if you're talented, if you're strong, if you can think on your feet, it's easy to just like get in that mode where you're figuring it out and you're fixing all the problems and we don't have that open conversation with God. But you can pray when you're in the heat of the moment. You can stop and pray in the middle of an argument and you can pray and ask God for help when you feel your blood pressure rising. We can do that. I am slowly learning this myself. Uh, when I have an argument with Julie and I'm having, we're having a discussion and it's not going well, I find, and I don't always do this, I should do it way more often, but when I do take a deep breath, take a couple steps back, and I ask God, please help me right now, please show me, I usually hear a voice deep down inside that says, David, she has a point. All right, it's not usually, it's like always. My, I'm so thankful for my wife who, who can help me think through things. Clearly, it's great. It's a great gift to have a best friend like that. When I'm talking with one of my sons and there's a thing that we're disciplining, right? And it's, we're having a hard conversation. Instead of me just getting frustrated and upset, it's always better when I take that deep breath, take that step back, let the silence just linger for a second. It's okay. And I ask God, 
where do you want this conversation to go? You can pray at all times, even in the midst of an argument. You can always do that. You can involve God and he will help. That's what I mean when I say pray at all times. That's what Paul means when he says pray at all times. You can pray in the construction site. You can pray after class on the ride home. You can pray in the evening before, as you're winding down before you consume some media. You can pray then. We need to pray at all times, and we need to have that text stream constantly open. That's the first way that you pray with sword and hands, which leads us to our second facet of prayer, which is the next phrase of verse 18. This is point number two. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Now, this sounds very, for the lack of a better word, this sounds very spiritual. <laughs> pray in the Spirit, okay? But what does that actually look like? Because I realize I'm saying that, and some of us just don't understand what that exactly means. It sounds like something a pastor would say at church, but I need help getting there, David. So let's try to break it down. I want to explain it by going through what it is not, what it is, and how it is done in those three segments. So what praying in the Spirit is not. Let's identify the polar opposite, which is praying in the flesh. Prayer in the power of the flesh is common. It's usually very frustrating, and it usually doesn't last very long. Has anyone ever probably play, prayed in the fr flesh before? It's like a tongue twister. We, anybody, anybody been there? I certainly have. This is that feeling of deadness in prayer. It's difficult. You get your tongue tied. You want to say something, but you almost feel like you're, you're being forced and you're just trying harder and harder. These prayers are more like you're talking to a distant stranger because you're supposed to be doing it rather than coming at it from a relationship. These are coming from a sense of duty, maybe even selfishness. So what is praying in the spirit? Here's the key difference. In the flesh, we're turning prayer into a work rather than a gift of our relationship. When we pray in the Spirit, we feel caught up in the way that the Spirit carries the prayer forward with a free-flowing conversation. Praying in the Spirit is opening up to the point where you allow Him to bring that prayer to life. And I want to clarify here, there's varying degrees of this experience for sure. It doesn't feel like revival every single time that you do it. Sometimes praying in the Spirit is not electrifying at all. Sometimes it feels like groaning. Romans 8 talks about the Spirit will help us in our weakness and intercedes for us according to the will of God. But have you ever ridden a bike on a gradual slope uphill and then in a gradual slope downhill? Think of it this way, this parallel. Going uphill, it's harder work, right? But when you coast downhill, you let the momentum carry you. And there's degrees to the, climb, the, the decline as well, but praying in the Spirit is like coasting with that downhill energy and momentum. So how do you pray in the Spirit? Well, you obviously have to be filled with the Spirit to do that. And we talked about this a couple months back when we were in our Beloved Identity series back in Ephesians 4. But being filled with the Spirit, when you break that down, that's the idea of literally be being continually filled. It's passive. It's something that fills you. You don't fill it yourself. You receive the action, and it's the Spirit of God who fills you. Present tense. Be constantly being continuously filled by the Spirit of God. So it's like you're being carried down that sloping hill by momentum. Or it, we, it, we talked about it before. It's the wind in your sail, right? You can't even see it, but it's blowing the sail. 
And I use the illustration of throwing a stick in the river at Pigeon Forge. And you see the, the, the current just take that stick and carry it along. That's being moved by the Holy Spirit. And we can't be moved by the Holy Spirit when we quench the Holy Spirit. How do you quench the Holy Spirit? You disobey God. So if you're in a, if you're in a lifestyle and you're, you're making decisions and you're in disobedience to God, you're not living in the Spirit and you're not going to have prayers that are filled by the Spirit. You obey the will of God as revealed in the Word of God and then the Holy Spirit fills you. That's all it is. He carries you along. And then you have faith in the promises of God with boldness and assurance. One of the key differences between praying in the flesh and praying in the spirit is that you don't feel the need to rush through it. Living, you're living in the reality that the Holy Spirit is moving in and through you. And you're in the presence of God. You're experiencing that presence of, with him. And it's much more important than getting my list of petitions checked off the list. I'm having a conversation. The Spirit will not only lead you merely to rest in God's presence in a passive way, there will be holy boldness to plead the promises of God. There are amazing promises of God that He will care for us, He will protect us, and we must believe those promises. The result of the Spirit's work is that we bow before God as humble children in awe of God. It's not a faraway God. We don't skip into his presence with like a breezy familiarity. We come with an odd sense of intimacy and reverence. And the spirit breathes bold life into our prayers. A holy boldness that pleads the promises of God in his presence. Is that the kind of prayer that you want? That's powerful prayer through the spirit. We need to ask him to fill us and move us. The more you talk to him, the more your heart is going to be attuned to the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit means you are asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom in the decision you're trying to make. Praying in the Spirit means you are glorifying God because you aren't just seeking your glory, you're seeking his glory. Praying in the Spirit means you're praying from a preventative posture, not a reactionary posture. Haven't we all been there when we have nowhere else to turn? Maybe you've even seen someone do this. They, they don't want a relationship with God. They don't want to spend any time with God. They say they don't need him. But the second something comes along that they can't control, what do they do? They start praying. Now, I'm not against those prayers, but I would say that's not a prayer in the Holy Spirit. That's not a Holy Spirit-moved prayer. And that's great that they're turning to him finally and, and seeking him. That's, that's great. But instead of getting the strength and peace all along, they're coming at him in a last-ditch effort. And praying in the Spirit is not a Hail Mary. A wing and a prayer completion happens on SportsCenter once a year. But praying in the Spirit is what champions are made of because they have an inner strength and a courage that oozes confidence day in and day out. The third facet of prayer that we see in this text is in the middle of verse 18. And this one isn't quite as obvious as the first two, but it says, with all prayer and supplication. So let's unpack this. I'm calling number three, pray with diversity. Pray with diversity. And here's why. In the original Greek, it says, with all prayer and supplication. And that simply means every type of prayer. There's a lot of different ways that we can pray that we see in Scripture. Have you ever thought about all the different types of prayer that are in the Bible? If you're only praying one type, it's going to grow stale, it's going to get old, and you're going to probably stop doing it. 
But in the Bible, we see praise prayers, we see lament, we see confession, we see intercession, we see petition, thanksgiving. There's even singing prayers. We need to be doing all the full arsenal. There's variety, and we need that in our lives. Every type of prayer and supplication. A supplication is simply a request. It's asking God for something. And I dare say, if you want to pray with diversity and get all these different types of prayer going in your life, you're going to have to make a plan for it. I have never met a person who is a prayer warrior, who is praying consistently with diversity, that hasn't made a plan. If that's you out there, please come to me and tell me I'm wrong after the service, okay? But I dare say, if you are a prayer warrior, everyone I've met, they plan it out. They say, you know what, on Monday, I'm going to make an intercession for my life group. On Tuesday, I'm going to pray a lament prayer for all the injustice out there in the world. And I'm going to talk to God about how I can make a difference. It doesn't matter what your plan is. It doesn't matter what you schedule out. But the point is, failure to plan is a plan to fail. We've all heard that, right? It's true right here in prayer as well. We need to schedule out a time and a place and make a, make a plan. To do this right, you have to make a plan. It's so important that we as Christians have diversity with our prayer. Our enemy is going to throw every distraction possible at us. The second you sit down to pray, who's with me here? You remember something that you need to go pick up. You get a text message. The second you go to pray, right, it's like, oh, wow, I have this sudden urge to go clean the house. Where did that come from? I just watched TV for an hour. And now I want to clean the house. That's our enemy that is coming at us. So we have to know that going in and pick a time and a place to make this happen. So praying with diversity is the third aspect of praying with sword in hand. But we're not even done with verse 18 yet because there's more here. Look at with me at this verse. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. So point four, the fourth facet is pray with perseverance. I almost got cute with this point, and I, call, and I almost called it pray persistently. But the more I thought about it, it slightly sounds like a drag. All right, like, okay, here we go. Persistence. Got to get on that prayer train again. So this is perseverance, not persistence. And the entire phrase actually cues us into what the original Greek is conveying. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. There's determination here. There's awareness, and there's this unspoken sense of being prepared to hold on. This is going to be some work. And as we've seen through this series, you have to be prepared for Satan's schemes. He has methods. He's coming after you. So you need to be like that mountain biker who's ready to coast down the hill, and you're, you're looking ahead, okay? You're looking ahead to see, oh, there's a tar- sharp turn coming. So I'm going to have to prepare for that. I'm going to see a rock off in the distance. I'm going to be able to swerve around that. And I want to fall over every rock that comes along my path. You need to have the spiritual foresight to foresee where things are headed. Pray with the end game in mind. To that end. Again, these are visionary prayers. They aren't just happening at the last second when it's too late. These are prayers that aren't just going to vanish When everything is blown over and it's all good now, it's all clear. These are prayers that know this is urgent, this is deep, this is real life, and this is important that I stay in communication and that I don't go dark 
because I don't want to go dark in enemy territory behind enemy lines. I'll be cut down if I do. The fifth facet of praying with sword in hand is at the end of verse 18. And it's very simply making supplication for all the saints. Do you see that there in verse 18, the very end? Point five is pray for others. And we're going through these pretty fast. They're straightforward. They're to the point. And I already mentioned how supplication is a petition. So this one is going to bat for someone else. And last week we talked about the shield of faith. You remember that? Where sometimes your faith is going to cover for me, and there's other times where my faith is going to be there for you and help you. We're in the Lord's army. But along with the faith is going to be that prayer with, with each other and for each other. John Calvin said something about supplication. He said that our prayers must not be self-centered. It must arise not only because we feel our own need as a burden that we must lay upon God, but also because we are so bound up in love for our fellow man that we feel their need as acutely as our own. To make intercession for men is the most powerful and practical way in which we can express our love for them. That's good stuff. I mean, that's not the Bible. That's John Calvin's quote. But he's got a point there. He's saying that the way you can show that you love one of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ is by praying for them. So you have to ask yourself, how much am I praying for my friends, for the, the people in my church? Pray for them. I heard someone say one time that if you don't pray, you're going to become a prayer. Now, I see where they're going with that quote, but that, that quote rubs me a little bit the wrong way. Because if you really think about it, it almost creates two classes of Christians. The weak ones who aren't praying, and the super spiritual ones who are praying for everybody else. If you don't pray for others, you're going to need people to pray for you. Now, I get that, but here's the problem with it. I should be praying for you, and you should be praying for me. This isn't a weaker and stronger thing. We should be praying for our spiritual leaders just as much as anyone else because they're getting attacked by Satan almost harder than anyone else. Okay, So I'm most definitely praying for you, and I want you to pray for me. But I think is what we see from that quote, if you really get the right angle on it, is pray for others. If you never pray for others to stay strong, eventually others are going to be praying that same prayer for you to stay strong. Because if you aren't making supplications for others and loving them, you are slowly morphing into a Lone Ranger Christian. You're slowly living this Christian life as a standalone and those people don't last long. If you isolate yourself from your Christian community, you are going to slowly grow cold. You're going to grow callous. And you're going to get taken out. Hopefully it'll be temporarily, but you will be taken down. We don't want that for each other. So we have to pray for each other. And this is one of the reasons why prayer is such an important piece of our church. It's why it's structured into our life groups. This is what we have to do for one another. So, so far, our first five facets of prayer, we have pray at all times. We have pray in the spirit. We have pray with diversity, pray with perseverance, pray for others. There's a lot of facets going on with effective warfare prayer, but there's one more in this passage. So look again at verse 19. 
And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Point number six is pray for boldness. Now, I looked this up this week because this is our last message in Ephesians. And ever since September, we have been in Ephesians for a long time. All right. Now, we had some Jonah. We had a little bit of Luke and we had an Advent series sprinkled in this, this ministry year. But over the last 37 weeks, this is our 23rd sermon in Ephesians. And I say all that to set this question up. All right. I hope you know the answer to this. This is our last sermon in Ephesians. Who wrote Ephesians and who is asking the Ephesian church to pray this for him? Can you tell me out loud? Shout it out. Yeah, I knew you'd had this one. Paul, let that sink in for a minute. Paul is asking the Ephesians to pray that he can have boldness to witness. This is the same guy who prayed in an earthquake in Philippi because he was in jail for witnessing. This is the same guy right now who's in chains in Rome, and he's witnessing to the Praetorian guard who's right there next to him because he has opened his mouth boldly already. This is the guy that went out and persecuted Christians. He hunted them down. Then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his life completely changed as he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And none of the Christians even trusted him. They didn't even want anything to do with him until Barnabas took him in. And then the Hellenist Jews, he starts preaching, and the Hellenist Jews don't like him, and they wanted to kill him. And he gets lowered down in a basket in the middle of the night. All right, there was multiple plots on Paul's life. And prayer, intercessory prayer is what rescued Paul over and over again. And Paul is the one who stood before Bernice and Agrippa. And he said to their face, hey, what happened to Jesus of Nazareth was not done in a corner. You know exactly what happened to him. That's Paul. Yet Paul still says, pray for me. I need boldness. Pray that words will be given to me so that I can open my mouth boldly and say what needs to be said. We got to let that one sink in. Do you think we need to pray for boldness if Paul asked his church to pray for him? We better start praying for boldness. We all know how hard it is to open our mouths and share the gospel. And we've all made excuses over, over time. But sharing with someone that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that this world is not the way it should be, that we are living in this, this present world is actually darkness. It's a shadow of what God wants it to be and what he will make it to be. To share that with people is sometimes it's hard. And we have to continually ask the Holy Spirit to empower that in us. So the story starts out great that we're supposed to share. God created the world. It was beautiful. It was good. There was nothing wrong with it. But it gets dark very fast, right? Adam and Eve fell into sin. That affected everything. And now we are born sinners. We are lost. Our relationship with God is broken. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you don't know that today, if you've never by faith turned to Jesus Christ and repented of your sin, you can do that tonight right out here you can do that right now that's the story that we get to share but that's the story that we have to ask God to give us boldness to declare 
We are telling people that Jesus died and he didn't stay dead. He rose again to newness of life, and we can have a restored relationship with God now. But it's offensive to tell someone that, that you living your life for yourself, you're making, basically you're making your own self into a little G God, and that it leading, is leading to death and destruction. That's offensive for people to hear. So just like Paul asked to pray for boldness, we must do the same. Worship team, you can come up right here. You can come up now as we wind this down. But if you aren't praying, you aren't fighting spiritual warfare. And it's not easy to become a person who is a prayer warrior, who prays in the spirit at all times, consistently, diversely, all these, all these elements that we're seeing. You have to actually start praying to really begin, it, begin to pray. You don't get it overnight. But the more you do it, the better you will get at it. You aren't going to be good at first, but that's okay. No one is. It takes time and dedication. And it's how we wield our sword. It's how we push back the spiritual forces of darkness that are against us. When we pray, we are going before the throne of grace. We can pray because Jesus died and he rose again. And having access to the throne room is absolutely one of the greatest gifts of our salvation. It's one of the most astounding things about who we are now. We have the opportunity to go directly to God. Pray because he wants to have that kind of relationship with you. That's his desire to be in constant communication, the text stream open with you. And what a gift that is. Jesus died to make that happen. That's a gift. We must pray to find victory through his victory. Let's all stand up and go to the Lord right now one more time in a closing word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your beautiful creation and the breeze that is blowing in right now. It's hard to imagine that where we're at right now, that this world is this present darkness. Sometimes life is so great, so beautiful, we can forget that. Sometimes we get so busy and so caught up in using the amazing gifts that you've given us that we celebrate the gift more than you, the giver. And we are sorry for that, Lord. Right now, God, will you move in a mighty way in our hearts and convict us where we need to be convicted? Maybe we're doing some of these facets of prayer, but our prayer is still a struggle. Our prayer life is, is not where it needs to be because we're missing one of these facets. And if we're missing one of these elements to our prayer lives, Lord, don't let us go any longer without changing that. May we make a decision right now that we are not gonna take for granted the fact that we can go boldly and humbly right into your presence, into the throne of grace to receive help and strength in time of need. And Lord, we wanna lift up those of, those of us in our church who are watching online right now, who aren't able to gather with us right now. Lord, there's people who are hurting, there's people who are struggling in our community. May we have the boldness to say what needs to be said. May we love them enough to say something. We thank you 
that you are great, that you are kind, and that you love us. Change us, Lord. Make us more like your son, Jesus Christ, and fill us with your spirit as we sing one last song tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.